today what we're talking about is the laying on of hands. Who here feels confident that you understand the laying of hands? Two people. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, good. We'll have some education this morning. Here's the first question for you guys today. Who likes to hold hands? Who are the hand-holding people in this room? Okay. Now, do you do it in public? Do you do it as you walk in public? Oh, man, you guys are the worst. It's so cheesy. The couples who do this together, you know what I'm talking about? Just a little stroll, hand-holding down. Uh, yes, Joe, you know what I'm talking about? You, brother. Why do we hold hands? I mean, I have a lot of questions for that, right? But, but like, what is the deal with these two mandibles connecting? What makes this romantic? Come on, think about it. How about this? What are all the other things that you do with these hands? Come on, people. It's flu season. What have you been doing in flu season? Anybody? Anybody? Hey, if you want me to keep going, I can. You want me to keep going? There are things you do with your hands that are not romantic, sweet, beautiful, and baby, it's not clean. Not clean. So why do we find value in the connection of these of these things, right? When we, when we kind of lock palms. When you hold hands, here's the most important question. When you hold hands, are you a palm holder or do you intertwine the fingers? Come on now, holler. What is it? Fingers? Who, who, who's palms? <laughs> the finger people are doing this. We do this. That's a lot. That's a whole lot. That's a lot of hand-holding. It's one thing to go palm and palm, right? It's, it's a more proper way to do it, right? The finger thing, meh. Get a room. Get a room for the finger, all right? Come on. Gracious. Now, touch is, a, is such a human thing to do, okay? Touch is such a, a powerful thing. Now, uh, in New York in August, we went to the 9-11 uh, Memorial. It's a very interesting kind of experience because, kind of show you just a little bit. What they had is like these metal kind of uh, rails. And on these things were the names of the people who had lost their life. But it was kind of cut out of the metal. So like you're able to kind of put your finger through it. And so what happens is you're able to, to feel it and to feel the name. And so, you know, obviously with the way my brain works, I'm always kind of trying to notice these things. And, and so the first thing that I did was I started to watch the people around me. And you would see the people at first, they come up and they're kind of excited to see it. You know, they're taking pictures and it's kind of a little bit strange. But then all of a sudden, like their eyes kind of see the names. And then the first thing they do after they see it, they put their hand and they would always feel the name. And so I stood there and I kind of looked down this way and that way. And you see people, just children, uh, elderly, middle-aged, just kind of running their hands across the names. And as you would watch their hands kind of run across the name, their face would begin to change. And you'd see people go from this kind of a, you know, you, you know this is a, a, a special place, a, a somber place, but there's kind of a disconnection between it. But when their hand would begin to, to kind of feel the names, you would see a transition in their body language and their, and their faces, and their faces would begin to kind of get, get drawn back and forlorn. Uh, their shoulders would begin to kind of hunch over. And what you would actually see is that people would do this, and then they would start to get closer to it. It's amazing to see what would happen. See, touch for humans has an ability to connect our bodies to our minds, to our emotions. 
to something else. And so touch is one of the primary ways that human beings connect to anything which exists. We come close to it, and when we begin to touch it, it makes something that it could be real up here, but it becomes real in more dimensions to us. And so as I watched this experience, it really kind of hit me. You know, you could have the names up there, and that's fine, and it's, it's powerful. But to have the ability to go from a connection that's mental only to begin to get your body connected to it, all of a sudden you could see this ability to be deeply intertwined with these names. It was very hard to find anyone who was touching these names and who, who, who wouldn't begin to be close to tears. And so touch for us as human beings is such a, a powerful thing for us. It's a, it's a deeply human experience for us. And so I mentioned this uh, a few sermons back. In Genesis 1, we see that God speaks all of the creations into existence, except for one. And the first thing that we find out with the creation of man, this, this creation which is like the other creations, but is different than those creations, is that this creation doesn't just get the words of God. It gets something else from God. It gets the touch of God. The first thing we hear about mankind is that they're formed from the dirt. We kind of miss what's going on here, but, but to play in the dirt, who's ever played in the dirt before? Come on, anybody? Can you play with the dirt like this? If you're extremely flexible, right? You have to do what to play in the dirt? You have to what? Stoop. You have to come low to something. Because see, touch is about proximity. Proximity means the distance between you and something or someone else. The one thing about touch, which is so powerful, is that I cannot touch you from a distance. I can't. I cannot make that contact with you from across the room. See, what's so powerful about that is that my voice can connect to you, right? My ideas can connect to you. I can put ideas in a podcast, in a book, and I can reach people beyond the scope of the country, the other side of the world, I can reach people in different time periods. Even long after I'm dead, my ideas can connect to people mentally. I can even find ways to put my emotion into things, whether it's music. I, I could create a piece of music and transfer my emotions, whether it's, it's art or a piece of artwork. I could, I could allow you to feel emotion or an idea, but to connect with you physically, I can only do that in a very small amount of time. For you to touch a thing or a person is to mean that in all of your existence, meaning all the moments you've got, however many breaths you have left in your life, however many thoughts, how many more moments of existence you have left, in that moment of finite existence, you are in that place with that person. And that is a kind of value that we cannot give everything. That's why touch is so valuable. See, there are times when we lose people that we are able to connect with them mentally and emotionally, but when we lose the ability to touch them, there's something inside of us as humans that is lost because touch to us has value. As I said before, touch is one of the most intimate things that we do as humans. I know for me when I think about touch, I think about my children. I've thought about them for many months. Actually, for many years, I thought about my kids. 
And then when you could see the, the process and you, you, you could begin to get your emotions and your mind excited about trying to meet them, but there's something about touching them. We always talk about the first moment when you hold your child and something changes inside of you, when you make that first contact, that first touch. Studies have shown us that touch is one of the key things for developing the mind and the emotions of a human being, the psyche of a human. If a baby is born, it's nourished, it's given safety, it's given food, it's given all of the basic things that a human being needs to survive, but not given touch. Its brain is going to be stunted. There's something about the human process of development that we require touch and intimacy, affection. And so, in orphanages, you have people who devote their lives to holding babies who have no parents. Because they know that the value of touch for that child, it could determine who that child becomes. Whether or not they are connected to in a physical level. Touch has the ability to do all sorts of things for us. We, we joked a little bit about what your hands can do, right? But if you think about most of the most harmful things that have ever happened to any of you, most of them came through touch. You think about some of the most healing, powerful, life-changing moments you've ever had. Think back to them. Most of them came through touch. See, it's these bodies that we have which are the conduits for what's inside of us. With your body, you can destroy, you could kill, you could steal. And I'm not just talking about possessions. With your body, you can heal, you can build up, you can edify, you can protect, you can nurture. This, this thing, how is it that God designed this? This thing is the conduit. This is how what's in us goes to other people. It goes th through these. And so in the Scriptures, what, how we work with our hands, how we choose to touch the people around us is crucial. It's valuable. And so in the Scriptures, you see this continual process with Jesus where He's always touching people He shouldn't be touching. He is always laying hands on the people who we have decided He shouldn't be laying hands on. Whether they had leprosy, whether they were prostitutes, whether they were not Jews, whatever the reason was, they're people that you're not allowed to touch. Because see, touch transfers more than even connection. Touch transfers value. I'm not sure if you guys learned this in school or not, but in this part of the country, about 70 years ago, the water fountain that you drank from mattered. Did you know that? Do you know that we had water fountains for one color of people and water fountains for another color of people. We had buses, seats in a bus for one color and seats in a bus for another. We had, we had places, restaurants that one color could eat and restaurants that another color could eat. We had all sorts of rules because this was about what? This was about touch. I can't touch the same water fountain that this person touches. I can't eat in the same booth that this person eats in. I'm not going to sit in the same seat that this person sits in. I hope you're starting to get the weight of what touch carries as human beings. Touch connects us. Touch also has the ability to separate us. Touch can build up. Touch can, can tear down. The unwillingness to touch can tear down. 
We joke a little bit in here about uh, how much I love hugs. We all know I love them, you know, and if you, if you want to push me, we can hold hands. I will never lock fingers with you, I promise. <laughs> Come on now. But my kids, I'll say this though, my kids get all of it. My kids get all of the affection. My children will never be able to say that their parents did not lavish them with love. I mean, it's overwhelming. We hug these kids. We cuddle with them. Liam loves to give lip kisses. I mean, I'm not going to lie. It challenges me every time. My Western masculine mindset goes, no, we don't do this. We're not European. Don't kiss me on the lips. But my kids get all of the affection. They will never be able to say that their parents would not overwhelm them with, with affection and love, right? This is such a crucial thing for us. And so in the Scriptures, we see that Jesus has this very particular pattern of being willing to lay hands on people that should not have hands laid on them. Now, I want you to understand this. Almost everything with Christ, everything that Jesus is doing in His earthly life, it always connects back to the Scriptures, right? He's always trying to reinterpret, reteach something, trying to straighten out an understanding. And so in Leviticus... Guys, I apologize that I did not give this to you. Leviticus 16.21, it says this. I'm just going to read it. <clears throat> he, he, which is the person of the priest, he is to lay both hands on the head of the live goat and confess over it all the wickedness and rebellion of the Israelites, all their sins. Put them on the goat's head. He shall send the goat away into the wilderness in the, in the care of someone appointed to the task. Here's what's happening here. There's a practice in the Old Testament where the high priest would come once a year and he would take all of the sins of all the people, they'd place it on the head of a goat, and they would send this thing out. Have you ever heard the term scapegoat? <laughs> See, one of the things that Christians misunderstand about Jews is we begin to want to fight atonement with them. Well, surely you need Jesus because blah, 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 blah. They didn't need Jesus. They already had ways to take care of their sins long before the Messiah came. It was never about sins for them. And this is how the entire community would be made clean in the eyes of God. They would take all of the impurities on them, all of the wrong choices, all of the, the dirtiness, the filth, and they would take it and they would put it on some innocent, pure thing and send that thing out. You fast forward to Jesus. And what is Jesus doing? He is going to every single person who we would believe was the unclean among us and doing what? Lay hands on them. Now, when he lays hands, understand that the, the idea of hands in the Old Testament was the idea of conduit, just like we talked about. We're transferring something through, through hands. Whatever's in me comes out through these. And so in the same way that the priest was coming and laying hands and putting all of the, the sins and the filth and the nastiness of the people of God into this innocent thing, what do you think is taking place when Christ is laying hands? All of the peace, all of the purity, all of the goodness, all of the healing, all of the power of God going through the hands. In fact, it's the inverse. If the priest would lay sins on, what happens when the Christ would lay hands, all of the sin would come in. It's reverse. Think of it like suction. 
Imagine if someone could lay hands on you and suck all of the junk out of you. That's kind of weird. Amen. You're right. It is kind of weird. You're like, I don't know if I like that idea. Freaks me out. (laughs) And this is the idea of laying of hands. When we lay hands on someone, there is so much that takes place. One of the most powerful things we see with Christ is that the power of God does not ever come out outside of proximity, meaning God doesn't choose to heal from afar. God chooses to heal up close. Why does that matter? I've always wondered about this. What's so beautiful about touch is that to get close enough to touch someone, it's too close to be safe. Think about that. If you are in a a very sketchy alley and you see people walking down the alley who make you very uncomfortable, are you going to walk close enough for them to touch you? (laughs) Come on, brother. Come on, brother. You might do that. Most sane individuals would not do that, right? You would walk on the other side of the road. Have you, have, have you ever heard the story of the Good Samaritan? Everyone does what? They walk on the what? Other side of the road. Far enough away where whatever's on that person doesn't get to me. How about this? During worship, when you heard people coughing, did you scoot closer to them? <laughs> whatever's on you, I want that. I want that special flu anointing. Flu type A. I, I can smell it right here. Or did you do what? Slowly begin to scoot down the aisle, right? To come into proximity, to come into closeness. For me, it close enough to touch you means that whatever it is that you have, I can have it too. Whatever it is that you have, I can have it too. Allow that to sit with you for a second. Whatever it is that you have, I could have it too if we're going to touch. If we're going to shake hands, if we're going to hug. This is the idea. That when God comes to us, He comes, what, close enough to touch. Close enough to catch whatever it is that I've got. Let's go a little bit deeper on this. Everyone in this room has something about yourself that you feel like is not not good enough. There are things in every single person's lives that we experience shame over. Shame, fear, insecurity. Every one of you has parts of those. You hide them in all different ways. But when God comes to you, He comes close enough to touch, to catch. Whatever that darkness is, whatever that mistake was, whatever that insecurity, whatever that that hidden secret is, whatever that is, when God comes to us, He comes close enough to catch it. Every time in the Scriptures that that Jesus lays hands on someone, what we are doing is we're going back to, to the law, Leviticus, and we're going before it. We're going back to the garden. Every time Jesus lays hand on someone, we skip over that law. We go all the way to the beginning. We say, no, no, no. Before someone was ever dirty, that person was clean. Before that person was ever a sinner, that person was a child of God. Before that person was ever anything that anyone ever called them, that person, that child is mine. And long before anyone called this person a failure or a loser or a sinner or an adulterer or a drunkard, Before anyone ever put any label or name on this person, this person was mine. Is there anything that could happen to, I'll just say that there's nothing 
my kids could ever do where I would not touch them. There's no sickness they could ever have that would ever be scary enough for me to not be willing to make that connection, to make sure that they knew how I felt about them. This is what touch means. In the worlds I grew up in, to lay hands was about one thing, some kind of spiritual experience, right? The favorite guests at our churches were the ones that the most people fell down when they laid hands on them. Kaboom! Oh, I want that guy. That looked like it hurt. I want the guy that knocks people over and looks like he got knocked out. I want that guy to pray for me. Sweet. Bring me that kind of experience. <laughs> if someone kind of fell lightly, we're like, no, that's not cool. I want the, the forceful hand layer. And then sometimes you had like the really awesome guys. I'm not sure. Uh, who's ever been to a charismatic or like Pentecostal church experience? Anybody? Okay. Who's had the guy who does like the bear claw and pushes your head back? You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. See, his offering was based on how many people he knocks down. He's going to get you down, baby. <laughs> now, if they're really skilled, what they would do is put the hand behind your lower back. It's leverage. You couldn't, you couldn't resist. They would binge you. <laughs> I've had some great experiences. And see, the, the exchange, the, the conduit of God through hands is a powerful, huge thing, but we, we always used to miss the meaning of it. All we focused on was the experience of it. We didn't really understand what was trying to be done on the interior of us. What's happening here? Because see, in the same way that when Christ would lay hands, there's all these, these powerful layered meanings of what God was doing and God connecting to us and showing value on us and, and reclaiming and renaming us. What happens for us today as Christians is we are given this very same commandment to lay hands on each other. Here at Grace Church, we consider the laying on of hands a sacrament. Not, not all churches consider it that. A sacrament is any place that we believe God has promised us to show up when we obey. The very simple actions, the ordinary things, the bread and juice and water, these are the ordinary things of life that God makes special and extraordinary. Contact, touch. We believe that this is a sacred place. That when we come in the name of Jesus and we lay hands on someone, that God promises that it will not be an ordinary thing anymore. It becomes extraordinary. And so, if you notice, we kind of rotate every Sunday. We, we believe to, to encounter God in the ordinary practice of the bread and the juice. And the next Sunday, we'll have an altar call, which is just the idea to, to open it up for encountering God and the laying of hands, the connection. When I first started to lay hands on people years ago, I got very uncomfortable with it. When you lay hands on people, you're what? Close to people. And when people get close to you, you notice things about them you didn't notice before. Anybody? Anybody? You find out what type of deodorant everyone in the church wears. You find out who brushes their teeth. When you come up here, you better have some gum. I'm just saying to you. You find all sorts of things out. When someone tells a secret, do they yell it or do they whisper it? Do you have to be close to hear those secret, intimate things? I've never, as a pastor, had anyone share something deeply moving to them across the room. It always happened in proximity, up close. 
All of the sacred things happen up close. On Ash Wednesday, when we, when we pray for you, I will not do a prayer blessing from the stage. I will not bless you from here. We form a line, and we make sure that contact, that touch happens. When an elder gets a fern, when we pray for someone who's, who's leaving the body, we don't do it from a distance. We get close. Because in that closeness, there is a, a danger there. There's a, a vulnerability. We're too, we're too close to each other to be safe. There has to be some kind of trust that this is going to be a God thing and not just an ordinary thing. The moment we get this close, we have to believe that God is present or there's no reason for me to make this risk. The moment we open up and we share the vulnerabilities, there has to be a reason God shows up. And so the Scriptures, we get these, these directives where the elders are called to go lay hands on the sick. Anyone in the church ever gets sick, by the way, the Bible says, to call the elders and we're supposed to drive to your house. Of course, at that time, we're supposed to walk. And then we're going to lay hands on you that you would be healed. No one ever thinks about the elders. Hey, what if the elders don't want flu type A? Should we wait to come to your house until it's gone? That sounds good. How about we text you like a prayer emoji? So I don't get sick. Are the, are the elders allowed to wear masks? I don't know. It doesn't say. But here's the idea, right? The elders are called by God to what? Step into the unsafe, the danger. <laughs> to get close enough when you are hacking and throwing up, we're called to come right in there. What in the world? I'm going to have some elders who are going to decline the affirmation from last Sunday. I didn't know it was part of the job description. I really don't want to get sick. That's really gross. I can't handle the vomit. I can't handle it. This is the call of God, not just for the elders. This is every single Christian. This, the laying of hands is such a symbolic thing of what it is to be a follower of Jesus. We go into every single life around us. It doesn't matter their status. It doesn't matter how clean or unclean they are. It doesn't matter the color of their skin. It doesn't matter their income. It doesn't matter. None of these things matter. It doesn't matter what the city calls them, if they're labeled an outcast or not, or a popular person or not. We don't care about any label from any other place. We care about the one label that we are coming to affirm in them. We walk into the room. We walk into their situation. We walk into their darkness, into their sickness, and we say, you are a child of God. Before any label was ever put on you, God said, this is good. And it's a challenge for us because it takes two things. It's a challenge for us to see the value of God in that person. And secondly, it's a challenge for us to see the value of God in us. Who am I to lay hands on someone else? Who am I to, to, to pray for some sick person to be well? Who am I to, to pray for forgiveness for someone who is, who is, who's been in sin? See, one of the other elements of laying on of hands, it gets coupled right in with the idea of confession of sins. That we come close to each other, and it's in this proximity that we confess to one another. And then God gives this outrageous decree. He says that we have the power in Christ to forgive sins. And every person in the room just cringed in their soul. This is why Catholics have confession. This is why we, we dec decree forgiveness over people. Because we come close, we lay hands, and we say, you are 
forgiven. You are healed. You are loved. To lay hands on someone else is to step into their situation and to decree the will of God over their future. It doesn't matter what is in this present. What matters is what God is going to do from this moment forward. Would you guys stand with me? We're going to kind of close out with communion with the Lord's table. And, and after this, we're going to have an opportunity. The prayer team's going to be here after this. And we're going to have an opportunity for laying of hands as well. But we just want to end this, this service here. And so, Father, we just come to you this morning as you prepare our hearts and minds. We ask that we'd come to the table with open hearts and minds. Father, we ask that the table would reorient how we see the people around us. Every single person who comes to the bread and the juice, these are people who you declare are worthy, are good, and are loved. And that we would see that in them and that we would see that in ourselves in Jesus' name.